morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. It is 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Indianapolis, Indiana. You're listening to the Comenius Institute-sponsored Warp and Wolf Radio. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, every Wednesday between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Weaving wisdom and knowledge, or in other words, warping and woofing. And Dr. Mark, <laughs> I had to send you that text when I was in Leviticus, and I mean, yeah. he was warping and woofing all through that one chapter, baby. <laughs> How you doing, man? Oh, man, warping, woofing. You sent that Leviticus text to me, I just howled and yeah. laughed. That was great. Warp and woof, vertical, horizontal threads that make up fabric. Colossians one seventeen by him, by Jesus. Are all things held together? We are Christian men up here in this studio and emphasizing a Christian view of things. And today we are going to be talking about counseling, a Christian view of counseling. Later on, Sharon Mason will be in. We'll be talking with her about what she does at CTS and her new book. Oh, my God. Marriage Ain't for Punks. Yeah, and, that's uh, a great I title. The, no, I had the pleasure of having Sharon on the show Saturday, on the, on the show we do every Saturday. And uh, amazing, amazing. I mean, it's counseling, really. Mm-hmm. It's what it is and in, in a way that's palatable to a, uh, you know, I mean, to people that need to understand that if you want to dive into this marriage thing, you better yeah. be prepared because it is not for punks or at least you not faint, as we've been saying all the <laughs> time. Right. Uh, right. But what we do each and every week, we, we try to bring you, as Dr. Mark said, uh, the best information possible to, to help you through uh, some times or some challenges that you might have and make some sense of it. And uh, after you digest this information, you can be better for it. Yeah, and right. so we always provide you with some of the best music. Um, mm. So we're going to take a musical break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about counseling uh, in the Christian community. This is Warp and Wolf Radio, Cool Groove Radio, RadioNext.tv. RadioNext.tv. You are listening to Warp and Wolf Radio. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, the brothers. That's right. From another mother's. That's well, right. Man, we are in. And uh, just a great day. And we want to remind you, too, if you're a nonprofit organization out there listening, uh, uh, Comenius Institute, Community Rural Nonprofit. I mean, we are building a network of nonprofit organizations to get together to become a body, a holistic body, uh, where we can really create a, a nonprofit social ecosystem that benefits everyone. Yeah. Uh, and we were just talking off air, Mark, about uh, one person trying to do everything versus getting the best out of his gift um, yeah. working in the body. And, man, we, we're breaking down walls in that way. That's brother. right. Well, that, you know, when you talk about breaking down walls, one of the first things I think about immediately is that the word unity is within the word community so when you bring people together (laughs) that are diverse you know you automatically got that unity thing going on yeah and and so you know as we continue if you want to find out more about the nonprofit sharing network you contact dr mark echo you contact me harold bell here at radionext.tv and we'll give you the information it will be beneficial to the initiative that you have and that you're trying to do. But today, and this is one of our initial, uh, uh, I guess, the, the four, four uh, bearers of the initiative was counseling, mental counseling, mm-hmm. mental health. And mm-hmm. uh, wow, Sharon Mason will be in today to talk. But Mark, we always bring things from a Christian's perspective, uh, uh, specifically from the book of Proverbs on how we can help uh, better relay this information in this message. And so how has God spoken both in his word and in creation uh, to help us in this life? Well, let me begin by saying uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be uh, driving down to St. Louis and doing a two-day presentation at a church down there that uh, wants me to come and do a presentation on psychology and film. Wow. Psychology wow. and film. Now, how did y'all merge those two together? Well, well it's, it's a good... Yeah, yeah. So the issue is uh, one where I have a friend, uh, Jim Tudor, uh, who's uh, down there in St. Louis, and he's in charge of a a film group called Zeke Film. 
And Zeke Films interviewed me. There's a video up on our websites about that. But uh, he contacted me. He said, well, what, can you come down? Can you do a presentation? Uh, we threw around some ideas. We came up with a psychology and film bit. And I said, you know, look, the first thing I'm going to say to everybody is, number one, I'm not a psychologist. But number two, every single movie is about psychology because every single movie is about human beings. Absolutely. So if you're talking about the issue of has God spoken in creation, well, you have no further to look than the mirror <laughs> when it comes to these kinds of issues uh, because this is what we are dealing with all the time. Let me just reiterate uh, this concept of warp and woof again, this vertical horizontal threads that make up fabric, this concept uh, is not just a simple fancy title. It really means something very important to Christians, and that is that we believe in the wholeness of life. And so when we read places like Proverbs chapter 8, we understand that a, play, a person like Comenius, John Amos Comenius, for whom this institute is named, was uh, somebody who looked through all of life and saw the need for wisdom in the world, and psychology is not outside that limit. It's certainly right within it, and we're interested in important. It's an important topic to discuss today. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, we're talking about spiritual guidance, and we're always talking on this show, especially since we're coming from the Christian angle. Uh, so discussing spiritual guidance, Christian counseling today, how does Proverbs relate to this discussion? Wow. Uh, you know, we're, I mean, we don't have enough time. Where doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, have, we need two or three more programs on top yeah. of this one to deal with this. Look, wisdom begins with fearing God. And fearing God means basically three things. It means to tremble or quake before a holy God. It means to bow in submission to him. And it also means a personal relationship with him. A lot of folks center on number two, that is this bowing and submission, without acknowledging one and three. That is that to be in the presence of a holy God is to, tri to, to quake and tremble, but also then to have this personal relationship. So when we talk about these kinds of issues, we got to go to the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is all about the concern of the heart. When I talk about heart, I don't mean this thing that's pumping inside my chest that gives me life. I'm talking about what the Hebrews meant. When the Hebrews said heart, they were concerned about the mindset, the, the, the mindset, the center of our thought process, mission control in Houston, if you will. And so the whole person, when you read about the heart, you're talking about the whole person. When reading the Old Testament, wherever you see the word heart, it means will, emotion, intellect, motivations, all rolled into one. So here are just a few examples of this. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of all of life. Uh, 13.12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Desire fulfilled. Absolutely. And 27.19, as in water, a face reflects a face, so the heart of man reflects man. Look, this bottom line issue of psychology, counseling, all of that, comes out of the need that every single person in humanity needs, and that is the wholeness that only Jesus brings. Absolutely, and it's, it's ironic, before we get to the last question of this segment, and uh, a buddy of mine, he just went through a pretty pretty tragic experience losing his lady, mm. um, and he's been, you know, kind of getting some, you know, just getting some therapy mm. so he can get back whole, and he said, you know what, HB, we're all crazy, and if somebody tells you they're not, they're crazy. <laughs> no, because really we all yeah. have something that we need attention paid to uh, from a psychological uh, realm. And I guess I led in with that because if this is psychology and trying to uh, make transition in your mind and your way of thought basically mm -hmm. is what you're trying to do when we talk about the science of the mind. 
uh, why does psychology counseling and guidance needs direction from Christian theology to make sure that we, <laughs> if we're going to get our mind changed, it's in the proper manner? Yeah. So I, I got to go back to yesterday when I sent you that thing on Facebook about butt dancing to yeah. the blind boys of Alabama yeah. and their music, man. I'm telling you what. If everybody's listening to me, needs to go to YouTube. Google. Go. <laughs> this is just unbelievable, these guys. The blind uh, boys of Alabama are doing some phenomenal Christian music. And I'm not ta talking about the new stuff. I'm talking about the old stuff and the black gospel with it and the different tune to it. And these guys are just jumping out of their skin. And man. they are all blind and they do like moves like the temptations and oh, they have yeah. chairs that they walk and sit down and you almost forget that they're blind. <laughs> it is the right. And I was explaining to you, uh, sharing with you, I had the opportunity in this little world I live in as yep. an MC uh, to introduce the blind boys from Alabama over at the Stutz uh, uh, Center over there in Butler, right okay. across from Clues Hall. Yep. Man, let me tell you. <laughs> it was one of the most memorable nights of, of my little career because mm -hmm. I was so amazed by by these gentlemen who all could have just taken a back seat and mm -hmm. said, hey, man, I'm blind. I can't do it. But, man, the, the professionalism and mm -hmm. the way they go about their craft, it was unbelievable. Well, you know, I mentioned these guys and, and your uh, experience with them because if you want to talk about psychology counseling guidance from a Christian theological perspective – Man, y'all need to be listening to some good black gospel music <laughs> because that music not only makes you dance in your seat like I was doing yesterday, but it certainly brings up this baseline idea that I talk about all the time, and that is that everything is theological. So as a professor, I'm a, actually flying out today from Indy to go over to Lancaster, Pennsylvania to do a Ph.D. course over there. And uh, one of the things that I emphasize as a professor all the time to all of my students is that no matter what you're studying, Everything is permeated by God's word, by his wisdom. So everything is theological. We understand the source of psychology comes from the God, and the interpretation of the psychology then from a Christian vantage point comes right out of his word. That's why I emphasize uh, the blind boys of, out of Alabama, because they put theology in their music. We emphasize psychology and counseling from a Christian point of view. This is all theological. Everything is Man, it was so good to hear them yesterday, HB. Well, you know, you, you, I told you your conversation sometimes spurns my music, and uh, we're going <laughs> to listen to young Damon Carl, Colors of the World. And um, speaking of, since we're advertising today, yeah. um, November the 3rd, if you get an opportunity, we are doing a hurricane relief event, and I will be emceeing at the Palladium in Carmel. Ooh. And we have like 18 different independent artists coming from all across mm. the country. All the proceeds will go mm. uh, to help the hurricane victims from, mm. uh, it was just Irma, uh, and Myra, I guess, at first, and then somebody else came floating through. So now uh, they're added in, and uh, we're just going to make sure that all these funds and all the ways that we can through music uh, help some people. So we'll be right back. We're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Group site. Radio Next.TV, you're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell. Every Wednesday morning, God's will, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, dissecting all those things in our life to try to create some wholeness. Uh, show is sponsored by Comenius Institute and Dr. Mark one more time. Give them some Comenius Institute update. Yeah, so we want to emphasize this concept of the bridge. We are doing three bridges here in Indianapolis. The first bridge is bridging high school students going into a public university at IUPUI, helping young people to think Christianly about what they're hearing and what they're seeing in classes and around campus. That's our first bridge. The second bridge 
is a bridge to communities. And this is one of the reasons why I love being with HB because his emphasis on all community all the time is what we're interested in doing. And specifically in my venue, I'm really interested in bridging black and white churches, uh, simply doing this by bringing folks together. The third bridge is by bridging the Christian uh, view of life and things with the culture in which we live. So I'm writing all the time. I'm speaking all the time. I do moody radio interviews all the time. Uh, doing these kinds of things because I'm trying to help Christians to think Christianly about whatever it is that they're doing. So those three bridges with young people into uh, IUPUI, into the communities, uh, the second bridge, and then Christianity within the culture. That's huge for us. And, and it's major. And uh, as we talked about before, you know, this this, this social ecosystem. Yes. Um, and that's a word that we're going to really put out there and hope we brand it in your brain because, with, you know, the you, you need the professional uh, business to, to help spur the nonprofits, and you need the nonprofits to help spur initiatives right. like what you're doing. Um, so, you know, we have to uh, keep creating uh, unity in this community, as you said before. Uh, I love, love, love mark that we have started using the word whole instead of mm. normal mm -hmm. uh because you know what is normal yeah uh, but when you talk about being a whole person what does that mean and how does it relate to counseling yeah so when we talk about wholeness uh, let me just put it to you this way uh, every night when robin comes home robin's a second grade uh, school teacher when she come on, comes home we talk about her day teaching little second graders and she tells me about the things that she sees in their lives, the difficulties they face, living with psychological traumas of every single kind. And she deals with uh, unimaginable difficulties, the physical, the intellectual, the psychological, emotional, everything. Everything from parental relationships to broken home to what children can and cannot eat to special arrangements for learning, you name it, she's seen it. While I'm at it, uh, I have to say this, that the President of the United States, and I don't care who's President, whatever time period you want to pick. The President of the United States has an easier job than my wife <laughs> because he has thousands of people to do everything for him, and she's alone with 20-plus kids every single day who have multiple needs all the time. No one helps her. As lifelong educators, Robin and I uh, believe in the Christian view of the whole person. So when we talk about this shaping the whole person concern, we're concerned about the wholeness of life. And this comes out of the concept of Cominius, because this is what Cominius was after. He was after Pan-Sophie, seeing the wisdom throughout all of the world. So she and I are always looking everywhere for all different kinds of helps, uh, venues that will uh, be beneficial to students, to parents, to educators. We're always uh, shooting ideas back and forth to each other. Uh, this is really what wholeness is all about. We see the brokenness around us. We are the ones being the glue. And we bring the opportunities that we uh, see around us to help different people in different ways with the information that we have that God's given in his creation. And this is the emphasis on wholeness that we want to, to bring forward. Her venue in counseling is with little second graders. My venue, I teach high school. I teach PhD students. I teach uh, adults in a Sunday morning class at my church. So mm -hmm. I'm all over the place. Anytime you're talking with people, you're talking about counseling. Uh, I teach all community all the time. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> so give us, give us some examples of how you have seen the idea of wholeness worked out in everyday life. Yeah, so I've got to tell you about a, a Russian psychologist. His name is Lev Vygotsky. When I, when I heard about Lev Vygotsky, this was back when I was doing my Ph.D. program, uh, I just thought to myself, here is a guy who's now dead, gone on, but his stuff, when he left his stuff behind, I started reading it and I said, 
Lev, man, you have it down. <laughs> you had it, man, because he was all about the whole person. He saw this in young people. This was his big concern, that young people were being broken down into various categories, put into boxes. They were being shuffled off into different sections of life, uh, kind of cordoned off into areas that uh, really they were just, he was just trying to bring all of this stuff back together again. So when I'm teaching PhD students, like I'm going to be doing this week, I go out there and I, said to, I say to them, you know what, Lev Vygotsky had the thing down and we need to go after guys like him. Uh, here's just an ex another example of this. Over dinner, two former students, uh, this idea of uh, wholeness. How does a Christian view of wholeness impact your life? And my response is not about one thing, it's about everything. And then we started talking about fishing. And when we started talking about fishing, we went in so many different directions, understanding that, of course, this is God's creation and how does he manifest himself here and so on. All of this stuff is important. One more example. And this comes from the nature of sport and athletics. And I just want to give a shout-out to all of the NFL players. I love the NFL. I love watching football on Sunday afternoon, Thursday night, Monday night, shoot, whenever it is on, you know. But uh, I just want to give a shout-out to all the great Christian men that uh, play every single Sunday, Thursday, Monday, and they have a vibrant testimony. So all of the folks out there that have a great testimony in the huddle, no matter who you are, uh, you're on the sidelines, you're contributing, you're helping the wholeness of the organization that you serve. Uh, people are seeing the light of Jesus in you. Godspeed to you and your craft. Thank you so much for your testimony. Absolutely. And uh, last question I have in this segment uh, will be one of difficulty. And this is where, you know, our cultural uh, differences come into play. And I've said this before, a lot of times in the African-American church, um, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is all you need. And um, uh, we we forget that there are people who are gifted to help us in the counseling of some of the fractures you might have mentally. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times we, we, we go away from that instead of running to that. Yeah. And so I guess what I'm asking and what I'm saying in, in two different ways is why is the work of counseling or spiritual guidance so important for Christians and the church? Yeah. And yeah. why aren't we picking it up? Yeah. Well, here's... Here's where we probably need to do a whole roundtable with a whole bunch of pastors and ask them that question. Yeah. Uh, because quite frankly, one of the things that we see all the time is that we have these new needs coming up all the time. We have this tendency to think that in the church that we have this, this kind of hierarchy. We got the senior pastor. We got the associate pastor. We got the assistant. We got, it's kind of like we build this. But we're not looking at the needs of the community around us. And the needs of the community around us may be different. It might mean, hey, you know what? We, gotta, we need a person that's going to be able to do outreach and communication because our community really needs this. Or our community really needs what family-centered views of life have. And quite frankly, one of the biggest issues that your church faces as well as the culture faces is this issue of counseling. And so why not have a pastor of counseling? Why not have somebody on staff who not only has a degree in the area of their expertise in terms of the, a Christian view of the, of the mind and so on, but beyond this comes at it from a Christian point of view. You do this within the church. People begin to see the church in a different way. Absolutely. And that's one of the major problems we're having today trying to, you know, really talk about bringing people to Christ is 
Um, we have to get a different view of what the church is, even if it's only a few churches who might not be doing the right things or the proper things. We have to give a different view of what the church is today to our younger people, uh, plain and simple. Well, the church has been doing same old, same old for a long time. And one of the big problems with that, of course, is that you get crusty and old. And when you get crusty and old, you don't move, man. So You have been hanging around me way too long. I thought I was talking to me. Yeah, this is what, uh, what, a, what a physical therapist said to me once. He said, when you're 20, your ligaments are like rubber bands. They just snap back. He said, but when, they, when you reach your age and he looks at me, he said they're much more like leather straps. Absolutely, <laughs> and they can crinkle and break. That's and right. uh, with that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, before we have our guest, Sharon Mason, and we're going to find out how film plays a big role uh, in the psyche of the mind. We've already heard the uh, uh, doctor talk about how he's getting ready to mix movies and psychology. That's going to be real good. But we'll be right back. You're listening to Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Group site. Oh, that is some good stuff there. That is medicine for the soul. You are listening to Warping Wolf Radio on RadioNext.tv, Cool Groove site. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, making some sense of some of the things in our society, in our community, uh, that don't make sense. And uh, today we're talking about counseling, and this is very, very important um, because today's, as you mentioned, Mark, I mean, we face so many challenges, so many different challenges versus what we uh, grew up under. I mean, you know, it was a real simple time. Both of us mm-hmm. right near 60 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, you are. Yeah, I am 60. Well, I'll yeah. be <laughs> kicking 59 this Tuesday, God's will. But, but you know, we grew up in a time where life was pretty simple. Oh, mm-hmm. were you going to go to school? Are you going to go get you a job? Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to get married or you're going to go to the military. I mean, it was some, it's pretty cut and dry, black and white stuff. In today's world, man, it is uh, so complex, especially for those young people um, who are trying to find their way in this uh, hodgepodge called life and with all these different temptations and lures. Yep. Um, you know, we always talk about current events in this last segment before your guests come in. And uh, movies, man, that, I mean, that's your thing. Yeah, and and I love when you can take what you love and use it mm-hmm. to create betterment for people. Yep. Um, so many movies have discussed difficult issues of psychology. Uh, what movies should Christians watch to get a better idea? Just to give an, uh, an example of this uh, outside of the realm of psychology, though frankly it really does deal with it, the psycho- psychological issues, uh, is a, a movie night that uh, I'm going to have for Cominius Institute students this coming Sunday night. Um, and we're going to be watching a movie by Woody Allen from the 1980s uh, called Crimes and Misdemeanors. And Crimes and Misdemeanors is uh, about some people who have gotten themselves into some serious uh, difficulties and they're trying to get out. And what those difficulties uh, produce and the consequences of those actions. And then, of course, the idea that uh, all of us, in one way or another, have to deal with uh, the choices that we actually make. Well, Every movie, I think, in one way or another, deals with psychology. As I was suggesting earlier, we talk about St. Louis going down there in a few weeks, uh, talking about this particular issue. We really need to talk about the full gamut of uh, all of film because it's all about humans and it's all about psychology, therefore. So here are some examples of some films I think are really important, and I'll end with the one that we're actually going to be watching in St. Louis Uh, This is going to be on the 10th of November, Friday night, the 10th of November. So uh, first off, I would suggest An Unfinished Life with Morgan Freeman and Robert Redford. Uh, I would say uh, to everybody, run, do not walk to watch this on Netflix. 
I've been showing this movie to audiences for years. It deals with abused women, recovery from physical trauma, death of a child, parental guilt. I could go on and on. It is a fantastic movie, must-be-seen movie, an unfinished life. The next one is The Spitfire Grill, another great movie that includes a returning citizen, a soldier's PTSD, the psychology of a whole town, all kinds of things, not to mention the redemption of life through the sacrifice of a woman. The Spitfire Grill, highly recommend this. Rails and Ties, Marsha Gay Harden, an Academy Award winner, along with Kevin Bacon, deals with breast cancer, child abandonment, spousal mm -hmm. death. This thing will rip your heart out and give it back to you again on a silver platter. <laughs> it's Rails and Ties, a very hard but a very worthwhile film. I highly recommend it. And then, of course, you need to get your tissues out for this one. Hachi, A Dog's Tale with Richard Gere. Break out the tissues. Inspired by a true story, the importance of animals in our lives. Of course, we're seeing this more and more with PTSD, the trauma, and so on. Uh, older people having uh, animals with them, even in adult living situations. Uh, but then I want to mention Peacock. Now, Peacock is a very unusual film. In fact, it's a film that I would very have very difficult have difficulty categorizing, in the sense that I couldn't just say to you it belongs in comedy or drama or thriller. It's everything under the sun. Fantastic movie. I won't say anything more about it. Just go to my website warpandwoof.org that's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org and look up Peacock in the search line and see what I have to say about it then go watch that movie. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and, and you know Several movies that I've watched too that would probably relate to uh, the psychology of it. Sitting, you know, that's not my specialty. I'll stay out of it. No, I'm serious. I'm I'm being serious, but you know, really, I think those are some good movies. I've seen no oh, probably four of those that you mentioned, and then any way that you can get help, it's good. And that kind of leads us to the next question. Um, you know, we, we have information. This is the information age. Technology. We can go get information pretty much about anything, anywhere. So yeah. where would you prescribe people to go, Christians to go specifically, uh, to get some counseling, spiritual guidance? Uh, tell us about some websites and books that might help as well. Yeah, sure. So I would go to ChristianPsychology.org. That's ChristianPsychology.org. Uh, I would follow Christian psychologists such as Eric Johnson. That's J-O-H-N-S-O-N. Uh, he teaches down at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. Eric Johnson has, is the uh, author of many books, including Foundations uh, for Soul Care, a Christian Psychology Proposal. I highly recommend him. Eric and I have done some work together in transdisciplinary uh, conventions, and we're going to be doing that again this next year. I highly recommend Eric. He is a humble, genuine, kind, gracious, loving man, and I highly recommend his approaches. Uh, Gary Bredfeld and Harry Shields wrote a book called Caring for Souls, Counseling Under the Authority of Scripture. Uh, once again, uh, an emphasis on an integrationist, synthetic, wholeness point of view. Gary Bredfeld, Harry Shields, Caring for Souls. Uh, and then I would emphasize, uh, I've already mentioned ChristianPsychology.org. Uh, the Christian Association for Psychological Studies would be another website. I'll say that again, Christian Association for Psychological Studies. I highly recommend these areas and all of these folks. They're doing very good work, and uh, they're interested in the wholeness of the human person. And I'm glad you mentioned that again, the wholeness of. And we have to address this from an angle. Uh, we have to meet people where they are as yeah. well. Yep. So what might work 
in, in rural America might not work in urban America, uh, much like your ministry is, man, we have to understand one another a little better so we can right. give the proper guidance and help. Um, and that's, that's one of the big things I think in our whole society that we have a problem with. We are so diverse and we try to do things in one way and it's, it's impossible yeah. uh, for us to make some impact if we want people to be whole. Well, you know, if we would just, if I could be so bold as to say it this way to everybody, shut up and listen. You know, when you have a conversation with somebody, don't think about the next thing you're going to say. Just think about what somebody's saying to you so that you can understand them a little bit better. I think we'd get along a lot better. Yeah, it sounded like you were telling me to give a uh, plug for the uh, five-star yeah. leadership council there on uh, Saturday, 8.30 yeah. to 1.30, um, over at Greater St. Mark, uh, Mark Church. And uh, Pastor Joy Thornton is doing uh, the exact same thing that Dr. Mark and I are doing right now, trying to bridge a community together. So the church community, he's, he's saying, HB, we have problems with our church's understanding, mm -hmm. and that's a psychological that's right. issue, is. uh, basically, and a communication problem. So I will be talking about about uh, communication, how we can better communicate, and it starts just like Dr. Mark said with listening. If you hear what somebody's saying, yep. then your reaction can be proactive That's right. to what was being said. And that doesn't mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, falling for anything that someone said just means if you listen well, then your comeback should help perpetuate whatever that first initial thought was. Yeah, and as long as we're talking about this, let me riff off your good line here and say uh, what we really need to do when we think about talking with other people we shouldn't think primarily of our differences we should be seeking common ground <laughs> yeah Could we not just do that for a yeah. change and and work on that little bitty five percent yeah. maybe different that we have on this common ground we're trying to treat because when i hear the word christian it's like a fraternity for me yeah. You know, I, I take it that this brother understands the same thing I understand. Now, right. that doesn't mean we like the same coffee. That doesn't mean we want the same burger. That doesn't mean that we go to the same thing for our entertainment. But we are Christians under that umbrella. Yeah. And so the differences is what's going to make this whole really happen. Um, and I, I heard uh, T.D. Jakes right before you came in, and he was talking about being a good entrepreneur. And he was saying, if you're so busy in the kitchen, always cooking. How you gonna run your business? And I, man, I say he was talking just to me. Mm. I gotta get out the kitchen, yeah. uh, you know, and, and go make some things happen. So the communication that we're trying to relate, much like wholeness from the from the, you know. And here's where I'll just say this one other thing before we jump into the next uh, point, and that is uh, when I talked about the NFL earlier. Notice what I said and what I didn't say. I heard what you yeah, said. Yeah. You were uh, so eloquent. I was sitting here on my seat saying, oh, Lord, he's not going to take me inside. That's bats of worms. But, no, it was eloquent, and, 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 and it, it, was, it was on time. It was on point. We want to say, look, let's talk about the things that bring us together. Yeah, we got all kinds of differences. If we focus on that, we're not going to go down yeah. the road, man. Absolutely. I think we need to quit focusing so much on things that really don't create um, – uh, impact in your everyday life. Yeah. Like for me, you know, yeah. when I when I sit up and listen and I watch the people who spend their time getting involved in that conversation. Right. I just say to myself, how are you taking care of your community or mm -hmm. how are you doing the things you need to do if this is occupying your mind? Well, it, it, here's the whole point to this show, HB. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Titus 3, do good, do good, do good. So scripture doesn't say talk bad, talk bad, talk Absolutely. bad. <laughs> and, and that's the great segue for this last question in, in our segment before Sharon Mason comes in is uh, everyday Christians. And, and I just said it. We're like a fraternity. How mm -hmm. should everyday Christians invest in Christian counseling and spiritual guidance and, and trying to make a, a better whole. Yeah. Uh, th there's a very famous Christian psychologist from the last century. His name is Carl Menninger. Carl Menninger. And he wrote a book called Whatever Became of Sin. 
And he said this, if you're depressed, bad stuff just happened to you, this is what his counsel was, cross the railroad tracks and find somebody else to help. Wow. What did he mean? Sometimes, and I stress that word, we can overcome the difficulty of our psychological troubles by helping others, getting our mind off our own troubles. But there are deep traumas in life not overcome easily, and we need the help of trained psycho psychologists, professionals. We need the right people to help us in our geographical areas, and I'm not going to suggest any counselors or psychologists on this program because every doctor-patient relationship is different. So let me just say three ideas here, everyday Christians. Number one, relationship. Form a relationship with somebody. I have a personal relationship uh, with a man who would consider, uh, some would consider odd and difficult to bear. And I give this only as an example, not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying, hey, we talk on the phone, we text message, we go out for lunch. Uh, we, he, we purchased goods uh, for him that he needed, unable to get on his own. God placed that person in my life for a relationship. That's my job. Two is to listen. I just mentioned this. Don't listen to reply. Listen to hear others. Robin and I spend a good deal of time listening to a person in our circle of influence. And this individual messages us, writes us in streams of consciousness, comes to the house, sometimes just to be out of the place that they're in, sometimes just to sleep. That's what they come to our house for. Number three is to help. Everyone's interests, passions are different. We can't do everything or help everyone. But if God has placed someone in your way, he has done, for, uh, done so for a purpose. So be compassionate. Be kind, be generous, be tender-hearted. You don't have to read books or the latest research. Just be there. Now, our mom, HB, is a great example of just being a neighbor in her little subdivision that she was. Uh, she's only been in for about six years. Literally, she has literally brought people out of their homes uh, because folks have, uh, they were just sequestered. They never talked to each other. But mom has this marvelous, hospitable attitude and mindset that is just wonderful. She brings people to herself and, of course, then to each other. Look, bottom line is this is not rocket science. You do not have to go to seminary for this stuff. Yeah. Just go across town, cross boundaries, and present the cross of Christ to people. You know, uh, and we're getting ready to go on break. <laughs> I, was, I was telling someone the other day that it is my absolute responsibility when I meet a stranger to speak first. I, I mean, I don't know what this is. It's inherited in me, uh, but I am going to always try my best to take the time to, to, to speak first because right. you never know. Uh, who that angel is that you know you encounter, That's and right. so the only way to even get that blessing is to acknowledge and, and speak. And and when we were talking earlier, you were talking earlier about dogs, people with dogs, and uh, being loved, man, is the number one primal instinct that we have as human beings. Before you want something to eat, before you uh, want to see something, being loved is is it. I mean, think about when babies are born. <laughs> they're crying until to that till that comfort comes around and that love happens and then they'll stop crying so right. you know this like you said this is not rocket science it's the bare essence of just loving one another we're going to come right back sharon mason will be in we're going to take a couple of songs and she'll be in right at the top of the hour this is warping with radio on the cool groove site radio TV. we are live warping with radio here on the cool groove site as we await for sharon uh, mason to come in and i just want to remind you as we were telling you a little bit earlier the independent music Festival. This is an event uh, put together by my dear friend Sid, Uncle James Johnston, and his his uh, go back. <laughs> Let me put it like this: He was the guy who helped discover Babyface. 
And I'll be done with it on that. But, no, he's had some great, great talent over the years. And um, it's stockpiling and uh, a cachet of artists, like, you know, taking you back all good, pure music, just like mm. you heard those two last artists, uh, June Walker, Rodney Stepp, and you heard young Damon Carl. So he is really bringing some consciousness back to music, real music. Uh, all of his artists have to kind of go through. Uh, <laughs> they don't know how to play their instruments. They have to know how to read me. I mean, he's making them understand that well, this is a journey. Give them uh, give them that date and time and place again the Palladium there on the it third. will be November the third Friday November the third seven o'clock will be the uh, doors will open seven thirty show will start yours truly and a, a young just phenomenal DJ up in the Gary Indiana area Dinah Lynn Briggs will be on with me uh, co-hosting this event but we're gonna have uh, right now it's like eighteen different artists who are going to be coming from all around the United States um, and they're going to be performing and we're going to raise some funds for uh, the hurricane victims i mean in three weeks we just had three hurricanes unprecedented hurricanes that uh wipe some people's lives i mean made people have to rebuild their own life so speaking of whole right um, this is just another way to try to help make well, it try do uh, let's just make this a community effort effort and emphasis then uh Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing on Saturday and why that's so important. And this Saturday, uh, we've been building it. Uh, I have a nonprofit organization, Community Rule Nonprofit. It is uh, getting ready to celebrate 10 years in March. It's unbelievable. Uh, but the whole initiative was uh, my ex-wife was a reading and literacy specialist. And... Uh, when we met, you know, she was chiming about how she wanted to have a school when she retired to uh, go back and teach those things, phonemic awareness, phonics, all those things that they say they build prisons around uh, our youth. Uh, when they don't learn these things, then they grow up and they're pretty much functionally uh, illiterate. Yes. Uh, you can do uh, multiple choice, you can do true and false, and you can skate through grade school. But once it's time to start writing what you just read, Mm -hmm. transferring your thought into paper. Um, those skills are, are just uh, exposed. And if you didn't get them and didn't learn them, they don't go back to teach them. Um, so what we try to do is go back and understanding that you can go back and train someone up on some of the things they missed. And so uh, the, the communication side of what I learned in this whole adventure is that we have a lack of communication. Um, and when, what we're trying to relay to people um, versus how they receive it. Yeah. And so it's kind of morphed now into the community rule being an agent to do communication. So I am so blessed to be on a panel of all these pastors and mm. doctors. And I was reading the list of people who's on the panel and it said Brother Harold Bell and everybody else was <laughs> doctor something and reverend something. And I said, boy, Proverbs says that, man, let your gifts, you know, put yep. you amongst kings and, and right. royalty. And, and I'm just blessed to be asked mm -hmm. um, to come and talk about how we can better communicate within our community. And mm. that's pretty much what I'm going to talk on is um, you, you can do some great things by yourself, but we are just so powerful when we put numbers together. That's right. And, and so uh, that will be Saturday. Uh, it's 5502 East 38th Street. All people are welcome, um, and especially we hope our Christian brothers and sisters want to mm -hmm. come out and listen. It's a whole program that to go on there from in from the financial standpoint, from the mental counseling, much like we talked about today, uh, the power of tithing in your church, the realness of it. So, you know, we're going to talk about several things, and I will be doing my birthday breakfast at Booker's on Saturday, and if you want to come out and, and ride with this guy named Jumbo Love, you know you have to excuse him. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him an upfront uh, apology. 
But no, no, he's not that bad. But no, come on out. 4709 Shaylin. We'll be there from 8 to 12. And as soon as I leave uh, Booker's, then I'm going right over to Greater St. Mark and, and, and blow him away with this communication thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Those are great announcements this morning. And we're really pleased uh, for all that you do, uh, HB and the community. Fantastic stuff. As always, uh, you have the heartbeat of Indianapolis. Uh, but you have something else that other folks just don't really don't even have, and that is these connections with everybody. And you amaze me. You know, you got this. You have one of these brains like a, a pastor who remembers everybody they've ever met. And so, in this sense of things, you know, you are a pastoral communicator. I am going to uh, right now uh, dub you as the pastoral communicator of Indianapolis because you know I'll take everybody. It. I'll take everybody that. and you're connecting all these different folks and doing community emphasis. Uh, this is fantastic stuff. Speaking of community in Indianapolis, Sharon Mason has just arrived. Sharon, glad that you're here today. Thanks so much for taking some time to be with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. So uh, like always, whenever we have uh, folks in on the show, uh, we've done a, a preview to what we're going to be talking about here in this hour. Uh, we've talked already about counseling, psychological issues, the wholeness of the human person. How do we confront or uh, commit ourselves as Christians to this approach? All of that's really, really powerful and important. Uh, but just kind of give uh, folks that are listening and then later on the podcast, tell them about yourself, your family, your church, life experiences, and the kind of work that you do in Indianapolis. Okay. So, um, again, I'm Sharon Mason. I'm married, celebrated 10 years about a week and a half ago, so very excited about that. Um, got a daughter, just got off the phone with her. Great conversation with her already this morning. Uh, she's 24 years old, so want to definitely give a shout-out to her. Um, Happy birthday. Yeah, well, she's got a little while until she'll be 25. But well, yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a little while. Um, so my husband's name is Daryl. We've uh, done various things in ministry. Um, with him, he likes to help people to pull out their gifts. Uh, he does a lot of things with music. Uh, he's a DJ. He also produces his own music, and so he likes to get people in there and pull their gifts out of them. Um, we do things at our church. So I'm at the Blended Church. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with us. But Tell us we, about it. Yeah, so we are on the far west side of Indianapolis, 2215 Country Club, Pastor Dana Moyer. We have a very mixed congregation. I think they were saying about 30 nations of people. Mm. Yeah, very diverse. I've been at the Blended Church for about 18 years now. Mm. I'm like, wow. Even when I say that, I'm like, well, I've been there for a little while, so work mm. uh, within various ministries. I like to go out and work with our youth from time to time. So um, we have a youth group, and they like to get the youth out. Sometimes they may go down on the circle and do various things, but I've been privileged to go in on um, a couple of occasions and talk to them about various things. I mean, things, um, even drugs, alcohol, um, talk to them about finding your gifts and using your gifts for the kingdom because a lot of times it's like I have this gift now what am I going to do with it or I don't have any gifts and so just to kind of help to pull some of those things out of them and say yes you have gifts you have talents and they're invaluable mm. you know there's a place that only you can feel and have some fun with that um, within the community so I'm a marriage and family therapist um, I'm over at CTS Counseling Center. I'm a resident therapist there, but I'm also, um, and I didn't even put this in my bio, but I'm addiction specialist. Okay. And so I work with adolescents, um, 
and I enjoy doing the groups with the adolescents, their substance abuse groups, and also working with them one-on-one. -on -one. I do community outreach, so it means I can go out into the community and try to partner with agencies, uh, take them information, and then also just to continue to make those connections. But working with the adolescents, you never could have told me about 10 years ago that I would enjoy it as much as I do. It's really refreshing. Mm. I mostly work with adults, but working with the adolescent population, it's amazing. Um, I really enjoy it. And I found that a lot of the adolescents that I've run into, um, the sense of hope just isn't there. Mm. And so that's, um, that's kind of devastating just to encounter that, but when you start to just have conversations and just to ignite that sense of hope or just to bring it out a little bit and then have them to ask questions or to pique their curiosity, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. Let's see. I'm trying to think of the other questions that you posed. <clears throat> um, well, let me spin off that for just a minute because uh, when you talk about addiction counseling specifically with young people, uh, and have you been at this for a while? Have you? Um, no, actually, I've only been there for about four months in that capacity, but I've been in addictions um, off and on for about 14 years. Well, let's talk about the addiction part because one of the things that uh, is floating around in my brain at the moment is how is it, uh, well, let's put it this way. Have you seen an increase, a decrease in adolescent addictions? I would have to say an increase, definitely. Okay. Where do you yes. see the increase in addiction in specific terms, like one, two, three? What are the biggest addictive substances you see adolescents partaking of? Marijuana. Okay. Yeah, marijuana, they'll call it weed. I mean, they've got lots of different names besides, you know, marijuana and weed. But I would have to say um, what I see is the marijuana, what they call um, that kind of gateway drug yeah. that opens them up to other things. Okay. But, yeah. So, so that's that's With our principle. adolescents in particular, and so uh, that's mostly what comes through our doors. So if someone has, um, let's see, um, opioid addiction or something else, then chances are they'd be going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So um, we pretty much look at the marijuana usage. I was just reading this week about uh, one uh, coroner who has quit in Indiana because there are way too many people for him to deal with. I mean, bodies coming in because of this op opiate uh, epidemic, and he just can't take it anymore, right. and so he quit. Overwhelming. I, I could not imagine. And so because when you look at the marijuana, when I look at that, a lot of times it's like it's natural. It grows from the earth. It can't be bad. God put it here. And just to have some of those conversations, well, when you've got this brain that's continuing to develop, anything that you're introducing to it, it's going to alter, and it's going to alter it for a lifetime. So just to start with some basic conversations and just realizing that if I'm using this to cope now, mm -hmm. you know, what am I going to be using later, mm. you know? It, it opens up to many things, and then there you have at the coroner's office, you've got all these overdoses and things that are taking place, and it's tragic. Oh, man. You used a, a four-letter word there just a moment ago, the word cope, um, and you, you connected addiction and the, the need for some kind of overcoming because you said that people have lost hope, and so they need something to cope mm -hmm. with, and they're, they're turning to narcotics. When you talk with young people, or when you talk to adults, whoever you're talking with as you counsel in this uh, arena, uh, what do you hear the reasons are that people go after drugs? What are the general reasons you hear? So it's, it, there's so many, and for a lot of people, um, it's like, I don't necessarily know. It's, 
I'm not aware that uh, this is an issue for some of them, especially when I speak about the adolescents, uh, which is difficult because they don't necessarily see this as an issue. Mm. This is something that I've seen, I've grown up around it. Um, you know, for some of them, this is the norm. This may be something that's taking place within my household, my neighborhood, within the schools, and now you're saying that I should do something different. So they're not necessarily seeing it as a problem, as an issue. Do they see the, okay, if they don't see it as a problem or an, as an issue, do they see a, a problem or an issue of getting their hands on it? That is how much money it takes or any kind of anything like that? Absolutely not. It's so readily available. Um, wherever they turn, like I said, they go to the school, <clears throat> excuse me, and here you've got a friend, you've got a classmate that's got it, and they're willing to share it with you uh, within the neighborhood, um, you know, maybe older uh, teens or even adults sharing it with them. But as far as having access, there is absolutely no issue with access, no. When Let's go back to the word coping again, because uh, you suggested earlier that uh, people, there are many without hope, and the and the reason why they might be turning to this. Uh, do you have in your venue, do you have an opportunity to speak of, in Christian terms, uh, responses to this, uh, a Christian uh, connection to any kind of solutions people might be look, looking for? So not necessarily within our groups. So if something, someone was to uh, begin that conversation, then I can answer to that. But for me to initiate that conversation, uh, no, um, not at the facility where I am at. Okay, so because it's a, a federal or state or local yes. yeah, presence, yeah, okay. Right. Uh, well, this is obviously a big issue. Uh, I didn't even think that we would even talk about something like <laughs> this, either. but, you know, it just kind of popped up. You mentioned you're an addiction counselor, and so, yes. you know, these kinds of things come to my mind. When I think about this, you know, I think about, obviously, along with you, that the only hope that people have is in Jesus and that the, the emphasis of what he has done for us on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, he's living for us today, the spirit within us. Um, but to make that connection, you're the bridge, basically, mm -hmm. between those folks and him and the opportunities that you may or may not have uh, certainly are outstanding and important uh, issues, I think. So just to everybody listening and later on the podcast, uh, if you have opportunity to uh, make connections with folks yes. and they're looking for uh, the kinds of connections yeah building those relationships we talked about that actually in the first hour um, where would you go uh, or would, where would you say that we should send them to if they're dealing with something like this right now Oh, so if they're dealing with addictions issues, okay, so I need to plug the organization that I work for, absolutely. So I'm at Emberwood Center. Um, we're off of uh, 15th and Delaware, and so we've got programs for adults um, as well as youth. Um, you've also got other places throughout the city. Of course, you have Fairbanks. You have um, St. Vincent's. Uh, you've got Harbor Light. It depends on whether a person is... Uh, using insurance, not using insurance, you have uh, mental health issues mixed in there as well, then you may want to look at, um, let's see, you've got your Eskenazi, uh, I mean, so there's so many programs, but CTS Counseling Center, let's plug us as well. And so we have therapists there, we're on a sliding scale, we have interns, uh, they can slide as low as $15 per session if need be, I've seen some slide lower than that, and so, uh, if you have uh, Medicaid, we accept Medicaid, we accept the marketplace plans. A lot of people say that I can't get in. Um, that's not true. Um, you may have to pay $10, $15, um, you know, get that worked out. 
but there are places that you can go and uh, receive the care. Now, if you're needing something in addition to uh, the mental health care, let's say case management, then I would uh, say go to a community mental health facility because we're not able to provide the case management. And for some people, I'm needing food, I'm needing the transportation, uh, there are other things that I'm needing before I even get to address my mental health needs. And so that's real. It's like, okay, we're expecting you to come into this appointment at this time, but if these other basic needs haven't been met, then that's unrealistic. And mm -hmm. so I would say to go to a community a mental health facility that can provide you with those wraparound services. Mm -hmm. Well, we're really glad that Sharon Mason is here today to talk about uh, all of these ideas with us, uh, certainly to introduce us to facilities and individuals around Indianapolis that might be able to help. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until 12, and we are going to take a musical break and be right back. All right, we are back. RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio every Wednesday from 10 until 12. And we are here this morning with Sharon Mason from the Blended Church. We were just looking at the church's website. Uh, you can go to theblendedchurch.com and look at who we are and then look at all of the different kind of faces that are here. Yes. And you talk about Blended, boy. You want to just look at this, <laughs> this page. Uh, yes. It's really kind of cool. And we were just talking about maybe having some of the pastoral staff on sometime and talk about their philosophy, uh, their mission, uh, why uh, what they're doing is so imp important. Uh, it looks like a great place. Uh, talk about yes. your church a little bit more about why, why it's so inviting and what it is that uh, is so enticing for you and your husband. So with um, my pastor, he had a vision um, from God a long time ago. And um, he started within his home, and he tells the story of how, you know, of course, not a whole lot of people believed in him, not a lot of people would show up, but he held on to that vision. And um, to see what's taken place uh, since that point, I mean, it's um, non-denominational, and try to take that out of it, but the Word is in the house, and he preaches it, um, he lives it loves on people i remember having surgeries and here comes the pastor going through things and um here's a pastor now the church has grown tremendously we have two services um lots of people but you're able to still have that personal touch uh, through the staff through the pastor which is awesome um i love our pastor i love all of our pastors i lost a brother about three years ago, and our uh, pastor, uh, Augustine, from our Hispanic church, he actually came and he preached uh, my brother's service. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that was something that was special because, you know, you're going through a very difficult time, and then for him to be able uh, to preach a message that was impactful, um, you know, timely, impactful message. And so to have those connections, mm -hmm. I mean, it's... It's priceless. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, it, just, again, seeing all of the different kinds of uh, faces here on the website is really great. One of the things you pointed out, however, uh, was that you were showing me on the website that you have a full-time therapist on staff as a pastor. Talk about that. Uh, yes, yeah, so um, we do have a therapist on staff because, of course, um, pastors become, can become overburdened. I mean, of course, you want to meet the needs of the congregation, mm -hmm. But if it goes beyond you meeting with a person um, for two, three, four sessions to address this issue, then it is important that you pass them on to someone that can meet with them on a regular basis and that can meet those needs. 
And I can see how a lot of pastors would get burned out because you have an entire congregation. I mean, the church is for the sick. It's for the sick, it's for the hurting. And we come in with these needs and now we trying to have, place it on one pastor, two pastors, three or four, and it can be overwhelming. So to have someone that's dedicated, um, she's in a couple capacities. So she's also our worship. Um, yeah, she also is over uh, worship as well. But to be there and to be in a capacity, um, have been trained to be a therapist and to be able to meet the needs, it's amazing. It, um, it really is. And then she also, um, we've talked, and so she's made referrals as well. So we do those, those things as therapists. We're not trying to each and every person that comes in, um, this is someone that I'm going to be able to meet the need. We realize that this is something that may be better met with someone else, and then we make those referrals. We make those connections. Mm. Oh, that's fantastic. Just to know that uh, something that we were actually talking about in the first hour, how churches really need to meet the needs of the day in which they live. And of course, one of the great needs in our day is uh, counseling, therapy, yes. uh, psychological uh, intervention in many different arenas. Yes. Uh, and so to know that there are churches like yours that have a full-time therapist, somebody that actually engages that issue is so important and powerful for us. Uh, so again, thank you for your work. Uh, tell me a little bit about why you think uh, a Christian view of life and things is necessary for Christian counseling. What is, what is the reason why you would tell people if you were asked that question? So what I would say is um, we're not just uh, one-dimensional. Um, we don't just have this body. We're not two-dimensionals. Um, we don't just have um, the psychological aspect in our minds. We're actually... Um, individuals who have spirits mm. and that's one of the areas that is most important to address because if we're not addressing the spiritual dimension then all the other areas are going to be affected and so that Christian view it allows us to see that it's not just about what we see it's not just about what we hear it's not just about what we've experienced but it's on a whole nother rim and it goes into from here until you know we leave here and then we're in the other realm so we can't just be focused on what's taking place and there's a lot of people who are hurting there's a lot of grieving that's taking place but the christian worldview allows us to have hope i mean that's the main thing it's it's the hope in that and that um, we don't have to suffer alone even when we're not surrounded by people and we're not engaged in those relationships there's a relationship with the father that's that's always there that's always present and then if you accepted Christ, now you have the fire, Father amongst you, and then you've got the Spirit within you, how can you lose? Mm. You, you, you can't. You mm. can't. And so it allows you to do things that you couldn't do within your own power. So if, if you have psychologists who, let's say, for instance, only approach their craft from a scientific point of view, that is a naturalistic point of view, how would you say uh, your, how would you differ from somebody who is purely a naturalist in their approach to psychology? Um, it would be bringing in the other realms. It would be um, bringing in the spiritual realm as well because you're missing a whole part. Mm. And it's the part that everything falls under. So it's not even the part that falls up under. Your spirit doesn't fall up under uh, your psyche. Your psyche falls under your spirit. Mm. So it's that over um, overarching part. Mm. And it's foundational. It's extremely important. Mm. You you can't get around that. And so some people will say they beg to differ. I mean, and, and 
they can beg to differ, but you have to address uh, the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. There's something missing if we don't. I'm thinking uh, along the same lines of uh, a person who has just gone through a really rough uh, time over the last year uh, dealing with some very serious surgeries and uh, thinking early on, uh, the doctors did, that, that he was going to die. And, uh, and the only thing that they could subscribe to this, uh, to his uh, coming back to life, literally, was prayer. And, you know, here are doctors in the medical facilities going, I don't know what you all are doing, but I guess that's because we didn't do it, you know. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we hear those stories over and over mm -hmm. and over again. I mean, so that's a life and death situation, but a lot of times we're walking around here, and so we have uh, that physical life, but spiritually we're dead, mm -hmm. and that's what we see. A lot mm -hmm. of people that are spiritually dead. Right. You know. And then, of course, you know, we won't even get into the to the essence of what this is is all about, but we talk about the spiritual world itself and how... Uh, let's say, for instance, uh, when we read about the Las Vegas shooter uh, and his uh, his girlfriend, he would wake up in the middle of the night screaming. And, and what one of us who is a Christian would not think at some point, you know, to what degree could we ascribe demonic activity to such things? So the, the issue that we're confronting here in a psychological realm uh, isn't devoid of the supernatural, and we want to make sure that everybody listening uh, to this understands that. So how would you say uh, generally, how would you answer the question, uh, describe Christian counseling? What would you say would be your definition of that? Uh, so if I was to define Christian counseling, it would be to bring it in all aspects of the person. So bringing in um, the spiritual, the mind, uh, and the body, and addressing all of those and not necessarily trying to even separate them. So you're going to address each and every one of those areas and looking at, first of all, praying about going into these sessions. And so I don't have all of the answers, and so I'm able to pray and ask for guidance, direction, for wisdom, for insight, ask for all of those things because... I may not be able to see exactly what's taking place. I may not have understanding, but that can be imparted to me. Mm. And so prayer is very important, and that would be an aspect of being a, a Christian counselor is allowing what you already have at your disposal to help you, mm. and that would be of utmost importance. Yeah. This, uh, this really kind of leads us into a theological discussion, which, again, we won't get too far into because of the depth of that. But, you know, as Christians, we actually believe in something called sin. Mm -hmm. And so uh, do you ever engage in the issue as it relates to human responsibility? So do you ever say to somebody, are you taking responsibility for your actions, for your choices, for your decisions? Uh, I may not use those words, but it's really a thing about consequences. And when you look in the terms of consequences, you have... Whereas there's positive and negative consequences. A lot of times when we talk about consequences, we're thinking about the negative, but there are positive consequences. And so for whatever our actions may be, and even our thoughts, you know, whatever those thoughts that you allow to continue to linger in your mind, there's going to be a consequence to that. And so if you're allowing um, the negativity, you know, whatever it is that you're watching, there's things you may be watching, um, engaging in that you shouldn't be watching and engaging in, there's going to be something that's going to come out of that. It's going to manifest in certain ways, and so it's not just a coincidence. So I would speak more in terms of what's going in, and then now we're seeing what's coming out. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned a word that doesn't get much play, but I'm going to play it because I think it's an important word, and that's the word should. So as soon as you say the word should, should, or shouldn't, you are actually subscribing to an ethical standard. So does this ever come up in your discussions with uh, folks that you're counseling, the shoulds and the shouldn'ts, and that there's actually a standard uh, which is a better standard to follow in life? <laughs> when you think about the shoulds and the shouldn'ts, uh, yeah, try to keep that out because the shoulds and the shouldn'ts is almost a judgment thing. And anytime a person feels that they're being judged, it's uh, I'm going to kind of dig my feet in and I'm not really going to listen to anything that um, you have to say. And so it's looking at what are your values, what are those things that you hold to, and what it is it that's going to allow you to live out the life that you're desiring because it's not as much of what I feel that you should or shouldn't be doing, but it's what are you wanting at the end of this? What what are you wanting to take place? And it's 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 not even about me, so I have to back up. And that's really difficult as a person when you're, I mean, it's kind of like I told you I was talking to my daughter before I came in. When you're talking to your children, you've got in your mind, this is gonna help you to get to this place or to that place. And sometimes we can be a little bit off. You know, I've learned that and I've had to apologize numerous times because my way is not always the way, you know, to get there. But then there are some things that are some absolutes and this is the way that's gonna get you to the end result that you're desiring. Mm -hmm. But it kinda can't come out that way because okay. once again, person's gonna dig their feet in. Mm -hmm. So you gotta, help a person to come to that conclusion. And it's like, how do you go about doing that? So that takes some serious finesse, mm. but it takes some prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really what you're talking about then is how do you approach people? Yeah. And it's not the same way with each and every, it's gotta be different for each and every person, just like within our relationships. I don't relate to my father the same way that I relate to my mother, the same way that I relate to my husband. I've got a first come to know this person and the very you know fine details about this person and then now how is it that I can engage in conversation realizing even that we all have different buttons we've been through different things people have experienced trauma and so be mindful of the way that we approach people because it's not my job to turn this person off it's my job to help them you know draw them to the light mm -hmm. not to be a, a dark image you know mm -hmm. they're looking like oh my gosh so it's having joy, you know, that's important. If I'm gonna be a Christian, it's important for me to have joy. So how am I talking to you about hope when you're looking at me and you're like, well, this is a person that they're saying they have hope, but they look pretty hopeless. So it's living out that life. Mm -hmm. That's even more important than even speaking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, what are you living out? Mm -hmm. I love your uh, concepts there about approach and how everybody's different. And it certainly doesn't work the same way for everybody. And we are not going to be the kinds of people that can actually uh, say, well, you know, this is a boxed approach to this issue. And uh, if you confront this concept of, you know, pick a subject, uh, this, is the, this is the way you should go. This has always bothered me that somehow there's one size fits all. You know, maybe that works in clothing from time to time, but it's not even that. And not even <laughs> we've that. We've seen that try to work. No, no, we've seen we've seen it. It doesn't work. Well, one of the things uh, you told me about was uh, this quotation: "Healthy families are the foundation for healthy children, healthy society." What has inspired your focus, and why is that important to you personally? 
So when I look at the inspiration, uh, I had grandparents. So the way that um, our houses were set up, so we lived in a house, um, and actually, <clears throat> excuse me, we lived in a house, and there was quite a few people in that house. So it was a grandmother and, you know, mom and cousins and aunts, uncles, and then right next door was my dad's parents. Right next door was my father's um, grandmother. So I had a great-grandmother. So that's three houses in a row. Well, my grandmother that was right next door and my grandfather, that relationship was an example. And now, being an adult, I realized that it wasn't perfect. But the example that was set, these were grandparents that they were grandparents to neighborhood kids. I mean, neighborhood kids could come over. Um, they could eat. We'd take uh, trips, so we wouldn't necessarily go far, but we'd go to like Turkey Run and Libra Lake. Uh, we'd go to various places and we'd have family, fun times together. And I know that that's important. So within that, you'd get several things. You'd get attention, affection, and then in some ways you'd get affirmation. You know, that was one of them that uh, maybe I didn't see as much, but I've come to realize that that's as important as all the rest of them but you're needing all people, not just all children, but all people are needing attention, affection, and affirmation, and that's something that I, you know, I won't stop talking about because in this day and age, you know, we've got the electronics that tends to draw us away from those things, but the family time is important. And so within seeing that relationship, seeing um, this married couple that I felt was amazing just in what they were able to do, I'm like, well, if I'm thinking it was amazing then and it was instrumental for me, then it's got to be for the next generation. We have a lot of households that still may not have that father figure, and I think we've kind of downplayed it as if um, it's not something that is important. Now, I've been a single mother, and I realize what it takes to do that and to try to do it well, but at the end of the day, there's something missing, and we don't really want to acknowledge that because we feel that that's kind of slighting the single mother and you know the role that she's playing but we need those things we need that father we need that mother and when you have a healthy family then you're able to give those children the attention the affection the affirmation and that's going to help them in all relationships that come after that so not only in marital relationships but in friendships and being able to be um, a great student, so you're going to be able to be more respectful. All of those things play out of it. Attention, affection, affection and affirmation. And affirmation, so actually encouraging people. There's an interesting Greek word. It's, uh, the, the word is par parakaleo, and it can mean different things depending on the context. It can mean an exhortation, which means a swift kick in the behind. <laughs> we need that sometimes That's as well. right. And it can also mean uh, putting your arm around somebody's shoulder, which is encouragement. Yes. So both things sometimes, Yes. we need those yeah, oh, at absolutely. different times. <laughs> yeah, you need both of those. Um, and that's from the time that you come here into the world until the time that you mm -hmm. leave, you know, this yep. realm. Yes. Yep. Well, uh, all of this is fantastic uh, emphasis. One more question about uh, what you deal with in terms of psychology. Um, what are some of the key differences that you would say between the Christian view of counseling and other views? What could you give us, you know, a, a few bullet points here on what those differences might be? Okay, so um, with other point of views, it may take into um, account the physical and then also the psychological, but the main difference is bringing um, 
the spiritual end, realizing that the Holy Spirit is real. I've seen the Holy Spirit transform myself, uh, my husband, lots of people. And so not to use the Holy Spirit the way that the Holy Spirit is designed, I mean, to be there as a help, uh, as an advocate, to transform so many different things that the Holy Spirit's able to do. But if you're not bringing that in, then you can bring about some changes. And I won't say that you can't, but it's not, it, it can't be to, to the same degree as if you're uh, allowing the spirit to come in and to help. I remember just kind of being uh, newly married early on and I would say that it was a little bit of nag to me. You know, I hadn't kind of gotten rid of the nag, but when I realized that when you're talking about being equally yoked, now you've got this person that has the Holy Spirit within them, you've got the Holy Spirit within you, I don't have to nag. Why would I ever do that when I can talk to the person that's able to speak to you, wake you up out of your sleep, and help you to make those changes? That was monumental. I mean, it was once I realized that and I saw it working, it's like, that's the key. Mm. But it took a, it took a while. It, it took a while to realize that. And so why would you not use that? This is, that is at your disposal. Mm. Yes. So the Holy Spirit instead of nagging, huh? That's that, that's the issue. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's the key because what the nagging does, it makes you resentful. Um, it makes you not want to come home at night. And mm -hmm. so what you're trying to do is set an atmosphere where everyone wants to come home and wants to be comfortable. But if you have, you feel that you have to nag because uh, these changes that you're hoping to take place aren't taking place. Oh, that that that's that's a rough place. That's so rough place. this leads us right to your new book, to your to your book that we want to talk about today. Uh, marriage is not for punks. We're very got to have the ain't. ain't sorry, ain't, ain't for punks. For punks. Wow, <laughs> got to get my English straight here. <laughs> it ain't for punks, people. Yeah, so this is really a powerful book, uh, one that I think uh, folks are going to be really benefited by. When I you started talking about nagging, I was thinking about what Proverbs says about the nagging wife being uh, a dripping leak in the yes. house, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. So kind of launch into this, uh, why you did this, uh, what your interest was in, in creating this book, and what help you think it might be for people. So my husband and I, um, we were in the park, we were walking, we were having a conversation, and um, I mean, having a little heart to heart, and I'm like, man, marriage ain't for punks. <laughs> and then he goes, well, you should write that. I mean, and it was mm. just like that. He was like, you should write that. And that planted the seed. And so we're going back probably a good five years. I mean, maybe mm. even six years. I mean, about five years or so. And then just started to look at what are those different dynamics, those things that would need to be addressed. I try to do it a little bit differently because a lot of times we're looking at how do we address um, the hardships in relationships. But what I'm looking at when I use the word punk, a punk is a person who refuses to address their relationship repellent attitudes, behaviors, and characteristics. And so it's not necessarily those things that the person is or isn't doing, um, those flaws, but if you're not willing to address them, that's when I'm calling you a punk. Okay, so you repeat that again because the, the word repellent got me immediately. I'm thinking about ants in my house or something. So talk about why did you use the word repellent and how does that 
<laughs> bring that out a little more. Okay. So you've got relationship repellent. So if I'm in a relationship and I'm wanting this to be a healthy relationship, I'm not wanting to repel that person. I'm not wanting to turn them off, turn them away. I'm wanting to draw them to me. But if I'm refusing to address my relationship repellent, so those things that are detrimental to a relationship, my attitude, my behaviors, my characteristics, then I'm sabotaging this relationship. So I'm saying that I'm wanting a healthy relationship, that I'm wanting it to be great, I'm wanting it to be awesome, but I'm not willing to do the things internally within myself. That doesn't make any sense. And so we talk about what insanity is, is doing the same things over and over and ex expecting a different result. Well, if you want a different result, you've got to do something different, and that's what I'm talking about. Getting down to the dirty and the ugly and those things that we say, this is just me. Well, some of those things that are just us, they weren't initially just us. We've experienced some things. Um, we've seen a lot of times too much as children. We've heard too much. We've been told things that we shouldn't have been told. Um, we've not been told the things that we should have been told and that goes on into our relationships and now we have to kind of rebuild from the inside out and it's not fun sometimes it's not easy but it's necessary hmm. yeah what do you see this book being used uh in let's say for instance at cts at your church uh, how do you see the book being used so i even speak to that because it's not a book for married people exclusively it's not a book for single people exclusively, for the divorced, for the engaged. Um, I see it being used with all people because wherever you're at, you're able to address um, your own stuff. And so it could be used um, definitely within the church to have some conversations, um, whether it's like a small book group, a cell group, it can be used uh, definitely at the counseling center um, as well as a resource. It can be used you're reading through it and then you're going through the various sections with your therapist. I was talking about how awesome that would be to have a client to come in and say, well, you know, um, I'm kind of wanting to use this as a part of my therapy and just to kind of see what it is that I'm needing to address because I'm not fully aware. A lot mm -hmm. of times we're not able to see all of our mess. Sometimes people from the outside can see our stuff or people who are close to us can see it, but sometimes we can't see it because it's been a part of us for so long. And so to be able to bring it in and to kind of dissect it and to look within and see, I see this that's taking place. I see how my relationships have been impacted and what is it about me that's in the equation that I may be needing to address or uh, to change. And so at the back, there's actually an inventory. So you can take the inventory, looking back over what you've read and seeing how this does or does not apply to you. And then also give it to someone who knows you well all right, take a deep breath <laughs> because if you're asking them to be honest and to kind of let you know what it is that they see, how they experience you, what they um, you know, may have observed, then they're going to have an opportunity to kind of let you know that, yes, I kind of see this. And not just to say that. You don't stop there, but give reasons, examples of why this is or is not something that applies to you. Oh, boy. I don't know if we, we really want to go there now. <laughs> you know, and, and I was thinking about that, but if we're wanting 
to truly see a change in the world, we have to truly see a change within ourselves. And mm -hmm. it's it's the hard stuff, you know. Of course, it's like I want to be a bestseller, but it's like this isn't a popular subject. So, <laughs> yeah. So when I'm looking for those who are not the faint at heart, I'm looking for those who have the courage of those who are wanting to step out of denial, you know, just for a little while. And just to be a better self, you know, person for yourself, not necessarily for your mate. I mean, definitely um, for yourself, for God. But it's not just about your mate. And a lot of people are like, okay, this is about me uh, finding the perfect person and all those things. And that's definitely not what that's about because you have to live with yourself 24-7. I mean, you don't get that break from yourself. Now, with your spouse, they may be going to work or going off, you know, into the business world, whatever they may be doing. So you get those, um, you know, reprieves. But with yourself, <laughs> that's not the case. So why would you not want to be your best self? Now, oftentimes things come up that you may have repressed, you may not have wanted to think about things that you've experienced, um, whether it's you know emotional, sexual abuse, abandonment, um, all those things, rejection. Those are difficult things because sometimes they're attached to people that you truly do love. But you have to be able to hold um, those two realities. And so this is the person that I may love, you know, I may still love, but this may be a person that has really done me wrong, that they, um, some things weren't perfect within it. So if you can hold those two realities, you know, then you're on your way. Oftentimes it's either I'm going to hate this person because they treated me this way or I have to kind of just kind of brush these things aside because I'm just, I just want to love them. But yeah, I can acknowledge the fact that um, I wasn't treated the best in some aspects and I also love this person. I can still forgive this person, which is something that definitely is important uh, I don't think we talk about forgiveness enough, but when we hold on to things that have taken place, that's not, I mean, sometimes it feels empowering, it feels strong, but really it's deteriorating. It, um, it deteriorates our core. Mm. Wow. So if we've been punked, <laughs> <laughs> and then we might be the punk, uh, and we need to get out of our punkishness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, if yeah. I've been punked, yes. I don't want to be the punk, and I need to get out of my punkishness. Yes. I'm definitely keeping this away from my wife. That's all i got to say about no. this. <laughs> no, we're going to hand deliver her a copy. Ah, no, Give no. her the inventory. Here you go. Oh, that's funny. Yes. Well, uh, I think your focus and what everybody needs to hear this morning, as well as in the podcast later, is this concept that this is a, an emphasis on how do we think about ourselves differently. And the inventory at the back of this book really sounds uh, very important and something that, uh, you know, we could all be, be benefited by. Yes. Um, so what would you hope, let's go back to the word hope, what would you hope for churches and pastors and lay leaders and whoever else around Indianapolis um, that might come out of this book that as you, as you see this book continue to be sold or given away in various venues, what... Mm -hmm. What do you, uh, what's your hope for the book and for the church generally? So I'm hoping that it just opens up uh, some dialogue. Um, and sometimes we don't necessarily want to have those difficult conversations, but they need to be had. But when you open up the dialogue, you have the conversations, you have to be prepared for what comes after that 
because the last thing that you're wanting to do is to open up some wounds and now here go go figure this out for yourself so you have to have some connections with others who are able to maybe pick up from where you left off and that may be um, a therapist that may be a counselor someone that's able to walk the person through and have that intimate relationship because this is not isn't something that's necessarily short term you know a lot of times we didn't pick these things up you know like um, over the course of a week over the course over a month and then over the course of a week or a month it's not necessarily something that's going to be healed it's not necessarily something that's going to be rectified so you have to have some people that are able to be in it for the long run that are able going to be support you and what you've uh, kind of gotten started in the conversation and so it's just realizing that none of us are perfect and sometimes as Christians we walk around like we've got it all together well we messed up we jacked up you know that's why we came <laughs> to Jesus you know that's why mm -hmm. we're needing a savior because we can't save ourselves and we are not perfect the other side of that is not to shame ourselves or anyone else you know we're looking at now we've got these issues now it's come out into the open now I'm so shamed I need to stay home and kind of not be engaged in relationships because I'm wondering how you're looking at me and how you're feeling about me thinking that I'm less than well that's definitely not something that should take place either we need to be able to embrace each other and say I know you messed up because I'm messed up too. <laughs> now, what are we going to do about this? Mm -hmm. How are we able to remain in relationship? Because oftentimes it gets broken. It's like you can't be messed up and I can't be messed up. It has to be broken. And then we have to go our separate ways and figure this thing out. Well, no, we should be able to remain in relationship and work out these things. Mm. Because in and of ourselves, a lot of times we wouldn't even desire to work it out. It's when we're in relationship, that's when we see, oh, this is something that I thought I had worked out, and I really haven't. But it's like layers of mm -hmm. an onion, and mm -hmm. you're peeling, and you're peeling, and you're peeling, and you're peeling. Uh, still don't have it. We're still peeling, but that's okay. Mm. That's the beauty of this thing. Mm. So that's I'm, great. Yeah. This is uh, this work that you're doing is, is phenomenal. Your emphasis as a therapist, uh, somebody that's coming alongside folks in your church, having written this book um, you're an asset to the indianapolis community thank you for being thank on you. with us today yeah thank you yeah we're Appreciate really that. yeah we're, we're glad that you're here in indianapolis uh, next week you do not want to miss our program george middleton will be george. here george will be here yes and we're going to be talking about lots of different things including the concept of what happens in our subconscious selves how do we bring those things to the table unconsciously uh, into any kind of discussion or any kind of lifestyle uh, that we live. Also, I'm going to be asking George about his work with children as it relates to musical therapy. I think this is going to be a phenomenal show, uh, just like today, just like all of our shows. We're so glad to introduce folks around Indianapolis to other folks in Indianapolis who are doing good. Titus Chapter 3 emphasizes that great command, do good, do good, do good. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and you hear us on radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Our podcast will be up later on. We look forward to the next time being with you. Until then, have a blessed week.